0: This episode of To The Point is sponsored by Tarsus. Tarsus Pharmaceuticals applies proven science and new technology to revolutionize treatment for patients, starting with eye care. Tarsus is advancing its pipeline to address several diseases with high unmet need across a range of therapeutic categories, including eye care, dermatology, and infectious disease prevention. Tarsus is proud to announce that XDEMV Lotolanor Ophthalmic Solution 0.25% is now available to prescribe. Welcome to the Pupil Pod, where we use clinical cases to guide discussions on board review topics. I'm your host, Sylla Ball, and my guest today is Dr. Amenzi Osa. Dr. Osa is a cataract and glaucoma specialist based out of Austin, Texas, and some of you might know her from her Instagram account, Osa I M D. She has an adorable daughter, Afi, who I love to follow through Instagram and who I was just telling her how much I love. Dr. Osa, thank you again for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be on.
0: Great. So let's get right into it. So this is a case of a 40-year-old Japanese man with no ocular history who presents to clinic for a comprehensive ophthalmologic exam. Exam is notable for an IOP of 20 in both eyes and a superior disc hemorrhage in the right eye. Dr. Osa, how would you approach workup of this
1: patient? So based on the history you've already given, I would probably um, delve in a little bit more with regards to family history of glaucoma, um, nationality, which was mentioned, episodes of trauma or red painful eyes alluding to possible uveitis history, um, diabetes and hypertension. And then of course your basic vitals, you know, vision, pupils, checking for any APD um, pressure as well. Um, Other things I would definitely make sure to get done would be a gonioscopy to verify that the angle is open. Um, And then other things from a workup standpoint regarding testing would be visual fields um, and then OCTs of the um, retinal nerve fiber layers and the ganglion cell um, as well, cell layer as well. And then, of course, then your exam and making sure to note the optic nerve appearance.
0: Perfect. And what are the risk factors for development of primary angle glaucoma like we're probably thinking about in this patient?
1: Yeah. So for open angle, primary open angle glaucoma, um, obviously, most patients or people are aware of a relationship or a correlation with elevated IOP, which is intraocular pressure, um, in general, the population is actually skewed towards higher pressures and about, but actually a 30% of patients with glaucoma have their pressures less than 22. So this patient's pressure was 20 to start off here. Um, there are some studies that suggest that there's an increased in like diurnal variation in patients with glaucoma up to 10 millimeter, millimeters of mercury. That's compared to the two to six that you'll see in the, um, I guess the population, the typical population without glaucoma, if you will. So elevated pressure, definitely. Age, glaucoma um, is very um, correlated with increased age. Race as well, three to four times greater in um, Blacks and Latinos in that population compared to whites. Um, And these patients are four times more likely to go blind as well. Um, We'd be getting pachymetry or checking corneal thickness um because tonometry actually when we're getting the pressures can underestimate in thinner corneas and this explains some of the differences that we see in some patients particularly black patients often have thinner corneas than white patients Um, another risk factor would be myopia Um, that's been seen to be a, a risk factor as well and then Diabetes and hypertension. So diabetes is still a little debated, um, but hypertension and its um, relationship to um, low ocular perfusion at times can also have been found to be associated with the risk of development of glaucoma.
0: Thank you. That was really helpful. I actually think I did a question this week. and The answer choice was low ocular perfusion and I got it wrong. So I have to think of a way to try to remember that for the future. (laughs) Can you help us with understanding the risk of development of blindness in these patients? Sure.
1: So you kind of, if I break it up into unilateral versus bilateral blindness, the cumulative risk for unilateral, so just one eye going blind is about 7% at 10 years um, from diagnosis and 13.5%. Um, after 20 years of diagnosis. And then cumulative risk from a bilateral blindness standpoint is about 3% at 10 years and 4% at 20. So far less likely to go blind in both eyes compared to just one.
0: And what is the effectiveness of IOP-lowering treatment for these patients?
1: The early manifest glaucoma trial, or EMGT, evaluated the effectiveness of lowering IOP in patients with early primary open angle glaucoma. And so in that study, they found that at six years, 62% of the untreated patients versus the 45% of treated patients had shown progression. So more of the untreated had progressed um, without, without starting drops or a laser, um, and then 25% decrease in the IOP from baseline in that study was found to reduce the risk of progression of glaucoma by 50%. Um, the risk of progression decreased 10% with each one millimeter of mercury IOP reduction from baseline. So I am a big proponent of treating early.
0: Absolutely. It seems like that is the only way to go. And I know that we also get asked a lot in clinic about that 10% decrease with each one millimeter decrease in IOP. So that's definitely an important fact to remember. Our patient had an IOP in the normal range and presented with a disc hemorrhage. So what do we think about in this case?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple of buzzwords in the clinical presentation. Um, You mentioned the patient was of Japanese descent, and there are studies that have shown an increased prevalence of normal tension glaucoma in individuals of Japanese descent. Um, So second, this patient has a normal IOP, as you said, of 20, Um, so that kind of clues me into potential normal tension glaucoma. And then there was that mention of the dyshemorrhages on, um, I believe it was the right eye. And so that's much more common in patients with normal tension glaucoma than it is in patients with high tension glaucoma. And finally, um, just so you're aware, visual field findings for these normal tension patients often show a paracentral scotoma can be dense and encroaching on the near fixation. So that's been associated with normal tension glaucoma as well, these paracentral scotomas.
0: So do we treat these patients with normal tension glaucoma? Oh, yes,
1: yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, The collaborative normal tension glaucoma study, um, CNTGS, it had shown that 30% IOP reduction reduced the five-year risk of visual field progression from 35% to 12%. So, um, again, 30% IOP reduction in five years reduced the risk of visual field progression to 35% to 12%. Um, I think I remember that being on some of my board questions. Um, So in general, we really try to strive and aim to achieve a 30% reduction from baseline measurements. Um, And this is achieved obviously via topical therapy, laser, um, trabeculoplasty, or surgery. So
0: definitely need to treat both of these primary open angle and normal tension. So let's say that the next day, the patient's wife comes to your office and has an elevated IOP of 25 in both eyes. The rest of her exam, including OCT of the nerves, the ganglion cell layers, and the retinal nerve fiber layer, as well as her fields, were normal. What would we think about as her diagnosis at this point? Okay, just
1: so people are aware, you can't get glaucoma from getting married to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, So she coming in with these elevated pressures of 25 in both eyes, but all of her testing comes up normal, we're thinking that this patient likely has ocular hypertension, okay, which is overall shown to have a low risk of developing into glaucoma. Okay, so the same
0: question again, do we treat this patient?
1: So with regards to studies that have been done on ocular hypertension, um, the key study being ocular hypertension Treatment study, or the OATS study, it showed that topical IOP lowering medications reduce the risk of progression to glaucoma in patients with ocular hypertension. And over a five-year period, only about 4% of individuals in the treatment group versus 10% of the untreated group progressed to glaucoma. Still, most of the untreated patients didn't progress. So most clinicians will consider the risk factors when you're getting into these kinds of patients, such as age, IOP, corneal thickness. Um, don't forget the infamous bar in the BCSC for the OATS trial uh, regarding um, IOP and corneal thickness or pachymetry. Um, other things would be um, a higher pattern standard deviation or PSD on your visual fields, Um, A larger vertical and horizontal cup to disc ratio at baseline, Um, those are some of the risk factors we're going to be considering when deciding on initiating um, IOP lowering therapy for these patients. And please remember that African-Americans in this study appeared to fare worse than other participants, whether it was in the observation or the treatment group. So really be vigilant in that population, that patient population.
0: Okay. And if we are deciding to lower IOP, how much do we need to
1: lower it to have a meaningful effect? So um, again, back to the early uh, manifest glaucoma trial or the EMGT trial, that one found that every one millimeter of mercury reduction in IOP reduced the risk of progression of glaucoma by 10%. So there's a one point drop, 10% decrease in progression. And so the goal in the OATS trial with regards to IOP reduction in percentage was 20. So I usually try to shoot somewhere between the two, between 10 and 20%. That makes sense.
0: Okay, so a lot of trials and a lot to learn. But just to summarize, the open angle glaucomas include primary open angle glaucoma, ocular hypertension, and normal tension glaucoma. Risk factors for all three include increased age, higher IOP, and thinner corneal thickness. Normal tension glaucoma is associated with individuals of Japanese descent, as we saw in our patient, as well as disc hemorrhages and a dense paracentral scotoma on visual field testing. To the studies. So, the early manifest glaucoma trial evaluated the effectiveness of lowering IOP in patients with new primary open angle glaucoma. They found that at six years, 62% of untreated versus 45% of treated patients showed progression. The ocular hypertension treatment trial, or the OATS trial that we often hear about, showed that topical IOP-lowering medications reduce the risk of development of glaucoma in patients with ocular hypertension, and most glaucoma specialists agree that lowering IOP is a good thing for these patients. So, Dr. Osa, before we end the episode, I ask all of my guests, if you could have dinner with one person from any time or place in
1: the history of humanity, who would it be? Okay. So I'm going to cheat. I am choosing Toni Morrison, who is the author of Beloved in the um, ophthalmologist and phaco laser ultrasound probe inventor, which would be Dr. Patricia Bath. So both of these women are very talented Black women in their own separate fields. They have incredible minds. And I just would love to ask Ms. Morrison about how she developed all of her novels and ask Dr. Bath what it was like to be a pioneer in ophthalmology and where her passion for research and invention came from.
0: That's amazing. I definitely need to check out that book because I'm always looking for an audiobook. And I actually am a little embarrassed that I didn't know about Dr. Patricia Bath. So I'm so glad I asked this question and learned that answer because I feel like we learn a lot about the traditional people who basically name every trial or instrument after them. But there are so many other amazing people who are responsible for where we are today. So Dr. Osa, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh,
1: it's my pleasure.
0: And thank you to our listeners. Hope to see you next time on The Pupil Pod.